Hello, and welcome to Let Your Guard Down, a podcast with myself, Peter Corcoran, where I'll be joined each week by various guests to have an open discussion about that person's path and how they ended up where they are now, with an openness around adversity, difficulty, and challenging times, as well as the more positive experiences along the way. Today, I will be joined by my good friend, Sean Ambi, who I studied business with in DCU. Over the last decade in particular, Sean has overcome tremendous adversity, including tragic personal loss and an unprecedented end to his travelling plans due to the COVID-19 outbreak. An incredibly humble, strong and optimistic young man, Sean discusses how he dealt with such adversity, keeping the mindset in a good place and not following the so-called societal norms. An inspirational character and an even better friend, this is a very interesting listen and hopefully Sean's story can provide some useful tips and guidance, especially for anyone who may be struggling themselves. Well, Sean, thanks for joining me. I know you've got a very busy schedule, so I appreciate you taking uh, taking an hour or so out of your your day to uh, come on and have a chat with me. How are you keeping? How's things? Absolutely, Pete. I'm delighted to be here, man. Absolutely delighted. You helped me out with a podcast there a couple of days ago, so I, I couldn't say no. And they're good crack, so happy to help. Yeah, no, and as I said, very grateful. Very grateful that you, you jumped on. Um, so come here. Um, firstly, lockdown. How are you keeping? You doing all right? It's just weird, isn't it? Like, I mean, I am doing all right. I mean, I'm, I'm doing the Masters at the moment in DCU and it's just tunnel vision. I'm so busy with that and it's just been such a saving grace because it's tough. Like, we're, we're into a season three now of lockdown. Yeah. And it's just, it's really tough and people are getting a bit sick of it. I'm getting a bit sick of it as well in many aspects, but um, I've been okay. I think I've hung in there. As I said, I've been kept busy. Um, I think I'd lose my mind if I didn't have the Masters. But um, yeah, it is. It's tough, tough going, especially this stage. But I can see light at the end of the tunnel. I'm trying to stay positive about it. I do think we'll get some sort of summer in. We'll probably not see the light of day till after summer properly. But um, yeah, we'll get there. I'm, I'm trying to stay optimistic about when it. When do you finish again? August, I think. Is that what you said? Yeah. End of August. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's right through to the end of August. So I'll be flat out till then. So as I said, it is a saving grace in that sense that it will keep me occupied and keep my mind going and it's full days so it's more than a job at the moment but it, i'm happy to have it it's welcomed yeah and, and realistically you know with the way the country is going it probably is going to be august before like restrictions and things really start to kind of be properly lifted so no that's good hey i'm glad to hear that you've you've got to focus and something as i say as intensely like that would need that kind of focus as a master's that would keep you going for that length of time so so that's good um come here i was having a look there um and i was a bit shocked to don't know if it gave me a kind of quarter life crisis that uh it's 10 years 10 years since we started college or well we finished our leaving certs and started college and since we first met it's a bit that's a bit surreal i feel isn't it that is mental. I don't know. We were on, I was only thinking about this with my mates the other day. Like, we're out at school 10 years. Like, it's actually surreal. And it feels, I know it sounds cliche or whatever, but it feels like yesterday. Like, that, that decade just flash. Just zipped by it. Zipped by it, really did. Like, I mean, we flew through it. And, but yeah, I know, 10 years. We're getting old. Can't keep up with it. But moving on anyway, right? So we're going to go back and we'll say, let's start off, right? Fifth year college, or fifth year in school. Right, so you're just coming into your leaving cert year. Um, school in general as an experience, enjoyable, difficult, indifferent. And the other question I would have for you is, was there a plan there? Did you have an idea of what he wanted to do in college? 
Yeah, man, I, I don't think I had a bad day in school. Like, I absolutely loved it. I went to school, COS, it was in town. We had a really small year. I think there's only about 60 of us. Really great mates. Uh, still are most friends with basically everyone to this day. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Like, I didn't have a bad day. Like, straight through some of the best years of my life, like, definitely. Um, really lucky with the school I was in. Great education. Gave me some unbelievable experiences and opportunities. So, 10 out of 10, never had a bad day. But um, with regards to the idea of a plan, yeah, absolutely. I um, I always had a keen interest in business for years, like since I was very young. Like, I mean, I'd always read the business papers and I'd watch the documentaries and I'd sit on YouTube for days and days looking at just different stories about different business people over the years. I always had a keen, really big interest in it. And I also loved English. So initially I always wanted to be uh, like a business journalist. But then I kind of gravitated away from that and I just wanted to actually focus on practical working environment business, trying to, trying to make money, <laughs> to be bluntly honest. And the idea of putting in the work and trying to get a bit of reward for it, um, it always really appealed to me. So, yeah, from very early on, I had that kind of goal. With regards to where I wanted to study business, I never knew. I, I wasn't sure. I didn't know. Um, I wasn't overly picky, I didn't think either. I didn't. I didn't overthink, geez, I need to go here or that college or this college. Um, I know I wanted to stay in Dublin because I wanted to stay at home, to be honest. Um, so it was one of the Dublin universities that would appeal to me and DCU just really kind of fit the bill. Um, it looked great. I had loads of friends going there. Um, it was close to home, relatively close to home. And the business course just sounded unbelievable. So yeah, it was kind of a natural progression, I'd say. It wasn't, I hear a lot of people and it is a real struggle for young people when they're 16, 17, 18, oh, geez, I don't even know what I want to do. But I'd say I was lucky in the sense of that I definitely did know what I wanted to do. Like, I hated science, couldn't speak a language for my life, barely spoke English. <laughs> so I was like, definitely business is what I wanted and the the kind of the route that I wanted to follow. So it was kind of natural in that sense. I, I always felt, um, just when you said that about school, you know, I personally, I would have been very indifferent about school I, I didn't hate it I didn't already love it though either I just knew it had to be done get in get out but from knowing yourself and a few of your friends that came from COS as well you know Kev Ty uh, Dave Beaky you know a few of those lads that it was a very it seemed to be a very tight-knit unit that you, you have carried through college even as well so from school to college mm. all the way up to now and that's something I find that you don't really see a lot of that like now it does happen but a lot of the people I was very close to in fifth or sixth year, we've kind of all gone our separate ways. So I, I think that's something that's really kind of, that's very heartwarming and, and, and amazing to see that you lads have carried that all the way through. Even say, that's sure you're talking about must be 15, 16 years now. And you're still, so that their oh, friendships for life now, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to fall by the wayside. And and in college then, when you got there, um, as you said, DCU was the, seemed to be the, the right route for you when you got there. was, where uh, was your college experience? Did it follow the school experience quite positive, quite enjoyable? Was there any bumps in the road or anything? Or I'd say, I'd say initially for me, I'll be perfectly honest. Initially, I didn't love it. Right. I feel like I was very still in the cocoon of my school and my school life, and having sixty people. Like I was having some classes with like four or five people in the class, and then all of a sudden, I'd in T one one with shame with about <laughs> three hundred. Like I mean, it, it was a little bit of a culture shock. I'm not going to lie, and it took me a little while to get into the rhythm of it. And it took me a little while as well to get used to the, the free time, to be honest. I mean, I remember being in shock that I, 
that I had like five, six hours a week sometimes. Two of them were options. Yeah, exactly. So like, I mean, like before I, knew, I, I was working, my mate, good mate Deco got us all jobs. And that was another thing. Like literally all my mates, we all worked for the same company. So we were all working for Compass doing like catering and working bar work and stuff. So I just took whatever hours I could in there. But I mean, like I, I loved the going out and I loved the social of it, but I didn't click automatically with the kind of academic side or the actual process of studying business i barely remember what we studied in first year yeah and um, but um it really did then click with me kind of it took me a year i'd say to really adjust to it but i think that's natural looking back like i mean if you're doing that and for that intensely as i did like with school secondary school like for six years plus like i mean you're you're gonna feel it diff- you're gonna find it hard to just transfer straight away into something else there are a lot of people will some people it's seamless but yeah, I didn't find it completely straightforward, but it was all first world problems, really. I was just, didn't know how, which nights to go out and <laughs> yeah. how to do a hangover. You know? yeah, exactly. It was grand. It was grand, really. Um, I, I, I would have found that as well, though, especially in second year, I felt a lot of people like that kind of congregated or came together more. It seemed like the whole year was a bit more comfortable at that stage because because it is a big adjustment and a lot of people who are coming into to college at that age maybe are coming from a school say from outside of Dublin or even from myself you know I think I knew one person say in our course who who then after a few years had, had dropped out and decided to go a different way but like that's quite intimidating if you're going into a course of four or five hundred people and you don't know anybody you know so it does take a year to to maybe kind of find your feet and settle down with people that you know you're comfortable with and to be able to move forward and that and say then in third year we did the, the internship program and you were in Dunstar's head office there just off Georgia Street um, it's a great location by the way uh, that's <laughs> but when we graduated in 2015 um, so we, we did the internship program from 2013 to 14 final year then mm-hmm. and then in 2015 you went straight back into Dunst um, straight off the bat and how do you feel about that looking back do you know was it the right decision um, is there anything you might have thought you could have done different or wanted to have done different or how do you feel about going straight in from college because some people like to take a break maybe or explore different options but you I, I remember back then talking to you you were you seemed very set you were you were like no once I'm done here I'll be back into doing straight away so um, what was the thought process behind that? For me well firstly Duns was incredible I learned so much unbelievably tough place there's no lying tough place to work um, it's stuck in its ways in, in so many kind of considerations when you think about the way it operates, but it, I learned so much um, got so much from that experience. And yeah, I, I suppose I, I remember at the end of, as finally it starts rolling to an end and everyone starts kind of moving on and making their decisions, making their plans. I knew I wanted to work. I knew I wanted to start making money. I was just desperate. I was sick of being broke. And um, I got a taste of it when we did our internship. Like you and I have joked before, like, I mean, that was the richest I've ever felt in my life. Like getting my first paycheck, you're just like, oh my God. That's unbelievable. And like an internship salary, but you're still just like, Jesus, that's just the first taste of having income of your own that you could actually, it wasn't just a hundred euro. Like it was something that you could make decisions with. Like you could travel with it. You could buy a car. You could, you could, it was kind of life-changing money for someone that young. And so, or at least from someone with a, a normal background. So it was really, that really motivated me to go straight into it. And I did, I dived headfirst into it. On reflection, I mean, 
it's easy to say, oh, geez, I should have gone away for a summer or I should have just went and tried something else. I don't regret it at all because I did get so much from it. Um, I got so much experience and so met so many incredible business people, like incredible business minds running a really successful business. And so I don't regret it. I, I would recommend for people maybe to slow down when they're making big decisions. Like Duns was always going to be there for me. I, I feel like I'd, I'd, I was taught, I'd made a good impression on the internships. Like I, I feel I could have made the call a year later if needs be. But I did. I jumped headfirst into it, finished up, went to America for, with the lads that summer. And then I was straight in there in September, October. So it was... Um, it was probably a little bit rushed on reflection, but I don't regret it. Like, I mean, I got so much from it. I can't, I'd be clutching at straws if I tried to say it was a bad decision, ultimately, for myself anyway. Yeah, and that's, I, I find hindsight's a wonderful thing. You know, you can look back, say, mm. but in in that moment, um, that was that was the right decision for yourself. And I, again, I can completely relate to that, that we went from working full time for a full year monthly salaries you know the whole setup very independent uh very independent yeah. regards finances you know what we wanted to do with it and a lot of us who went back in then to do final year that was gone you know and a lot of us didn't work trail final year so that independence and that maybe freedom to do whatever you want with the money that you're pulling in is taken away from you and i i do remember feeling that way about it that um wanting to get back into that mix because it, it was I mentioned before to you that I had done a interrail and um, uh, uh, that summer after we finished college, but I had racked up debt because I had no income. So I needed to get back into it. So I can completely relate to that decision. But also it's, it's, it's interesting to hear you say um, how not to rush into it. And maybe that I think sometimes people are so eager to kind of have their next step lined up that, and you, you, you I think that the, the longer this conversation goes on, you're, you're a great example for this, that, you know, there's, taking your time isn't going to do any harm, you know, it making a decision, you know, and had taken time to think does not mean that you're, you're ultimately failing or you're, you're not doing anything purposeful. Um, and sometimes it can actually work out to be, to be the better way to approach something like that. Um, but very interesting to hear, to hear your comments on that, because um, I think a lot of people after they finish college are very keen to be like, right, I'm done now. I'm going to go travel for a couple of years, then I'll come back to the real world again. So it's it's um, it's an interesting side of it to see somebody who was very keen and very eager to get straight back into the working world rather than uh, rather than the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know, say, you started in Duns then, as I said, October 2015. And, mm. you know, over the next two years, I think it, it, it seemed like life was just kind of just motoring along just fine. You know, you were working hard, you were making inroads and dons and moving up the ladder you had you had good income you had a good social life we were happy out and mm -hmm. so we come to then 2017 and you unfortunately endured quite a quite a tragic loss of your mother um would you be able to give us a, some background into um into what happened um initially and then maybe we might get into discussing how that impacted you um as a person going forward absolutely yeah so as you said, I was working away. Life was perfectly normal and pushing away and done. doing well, really enjoying it. It was very tough, but I was really enjoying it. I was moving up the ladder and making an impact. Felt like I was doing quite well. Um, but yeah, June 17th, 2017, my mom passed away, unfortunately. She had been suffering with a very rare form of cancer for about four years, really, previous to her passing. It was called optical melanoma. 
which is essentially cancer of the eye. So it's very rare. And unfortunately, it spread to her liver eventually, and there was nothing more they can do. So that was very traumatic. There's no two ways about it. Like, I mean, um, it's very, like, the shock is enormous. I'd say when I think back to, to mid-2017, even into mid-2018, I don't remember a lot of that year. It, I don't know what way the mind works, but it kind of, like, it does black things out, I'd say. And it's a bit of a blur. Like, I mean, it's it, it probably, I'd, I've never looked into it, but I'd imagine it's some sort of shock. Yeah. And kind of the body or the mind trying to cope with the shock. I, I, I know I worked, I know I was social, I know I went away on holidays, but I don't fully remember great detail. And I, I do have a good memory in that sense. I can remember back to so many aspects of my life, but that initial phase after was quite, quite um, blurry for me. Um, from an emotional side, it's very strange the way it kind of um, it plays out because even though the loss of your, my mom was very instant, like, I mean, it's like a light going off. The person's there one day, they're not the next. And it was very straightforward, not straightforward, but like it's, it's a snap situation. The emotions are a lot more of a longer journey, if you get me. They, they change and they bubble over an enormous amount of time. And that can be very difficult for a person, or at least I found it hard and people might be different, but those emotions go up and down and they kind of, they weave as time goes on. So it is, it's, it's, it's a big challenge to kind of, to deal with and understand. I, I, again, uh, yeah, Sean, this is, to hear you say that and um, in 2017, uh, when, as you, when you were going through it, that it, it was more of a kind of like a blackout, you know, and um, from my own personal standpoint um, and from the stuff I dealt with, I, again, I understand completely what you're saying. It's almost like, this thing happens and you just you you go into it nearly like a, a shock mode or a kind of fight or flight mode and you're just trying to get trying to get through it that's all that's there's nothing really else being pulled in it's like this is in front of me and i have to deal with this and the emotional aspect only kind of kicks in maybe months later a year later or kind of when things have maybe your body say like that kind of mindset the shock has subsided and you've you've maybe kind of come back to to, to reality a bit and then you might get hit with the emotional aspect of it which can be a bit of a longer journey and I, I, I would like to see what do you think say especially on the emotion the emotional aspect is it, there's not really a destination isn't there not I, I, I feel it's more like it's it's a process you'll go through probably for the rest of your life or something like that it's not really like mm. if I take this step that step this step I'm going to be here and that's it I'm going to be feeling elated or I'm going to be over this and I say that with inverted commas because I don't I don't think it's something you ever really get over I think you just learn to process it as time goes on and you learn to maybe find ways of coping with it and even turning it around in the sense of taking something from it that you can move forward with in a positive light absolutely I know and that, that I completely resonate with that and it's it's not at least for me anyway it's not a step-by-step process. As I said, I mean, I touched on it there briefly and I completely agree. Like in the initial aftermath, the body is incredible. Human mind's an amazing thing. Like, I mean, it obviously goes into survival mode in, in certain aspects and you have that year period, or at least I did, where you don't remember much. You're, you're, you probably are just motoring through and just trying to get to the, to, the, to the end of you don't even know what is. And then in the second year, 
it starts to set in a little bit more and it does get difficult and it does get hard and life kind of goes back to normal around you and that can be challenging like the pressures in work start mounting again because people obviously take it handy on you a little bit and then they start increasing because life moves on and you have to respect that and normality just does just kind of tick on no matter what you're going through so that's difficult to kind of grasp and keep up the speed with and it is hard but um no i completely agree with you that it is it's a staged process and it gives you a complete when well at least for me again it gave me a completely different perspective on life i'm tired it changed the way i see the world like nothing else in my life it really did and it kind of gave me an appreciation of enjoying what i have and i was very goal oriented i was like from very young in secondary school, I was like, I'm going to go into business. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I have to do this. I have to do that. Like, there was no two ways about it. After what happened to my mom and when I started to think about life a little bit differently and I realized, yeah, I can still achieve all that as well. But, like, I, I, I don't want to be as hard on myself. I was very, I still do to this day suffer from vicious imposter syndrome. If I do well in something, I'm always like, ah, oh, it wasn't actually as hard as people made out or, like, I spoofed that a little bit or whatever. Like you do kind of beat yourself up sometimes and it's given me more of an appreciation to kind of say, no, you did well, you did good. And to approach things a little bit more optimistically in other ways, because what you think is a problem mightn't really be when you step back and really analyze what could happen. So it does give you a completely different perspective on life. And it's given me a completely different view on how I approach things and situations and decisions because it does shape your decisions massively. And I think that's a fair point you made as well, actually. Like, it is, it's something that, and what a silver lining I've taken from it, and it's very hard to find them in such a horrible situation, but things are out of your control. And you and I have spoken about this before. Things, if something's out of your control, there's nothing you can do with it, you know? And you can wallow in it, but you can try and build from it as well. And that's what I've tried to do out of this situation, because it is a tough one. I, I I find as well with that it's like you're you're honoring and this is really kind of admirable really it's it's you're honoring the feelings that come with it you know you're accepting that look this this is tough you know this is bringing up a lot of sadness for me or a, a big feeling of loss or grief you know but you're on and it, it's like there's an acceptance of that you'd say you're there's an acceptance of oh I feel like this this is okay. I'm going to let myself feel like this and then you move on rather than a big problem you often see and, and hear from people is they get stuck in those feelings and they find it hard to, to maybe move, move forward with it. And I just find when how it's shaped your your view on life is that, and it's something I can relate to too, is that you, you've kind of, it nearly takes out a lot of things that, you realize that weren't really problems in the first place. You know, it's a lot of the stuff that maybe was coming up was maybe in your head or your, your perception of the whole thing. And I just feel that's a, that's, that's a skill that like, you know, I, I'm very grateful for, for my own experience that came true and like that, mm. that came out of it. And I'm sure you were the same. And it's, you know, I, I do remember somebody saying to me before that, you know, there's, there's very few problems in life that are life and death bar life and death issues like you know like and it's but it it doesn't mean that say to you or to to somebody else maybe that they're they're not a problem at the time and as we said it's important to maybe honor the feelings that are coming up with them and processing them without getting too 
bogged down in in the in the negative side or the, the, the difficult side of the feelings rather. So um going forward then say, you know, you this was 2017, you had a year or two then of, of kind of just living life normally, would that be fair to say, is in you still, you were working in Duns, you yeah. doing your usual holidays, doing usual. Yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. And then yourself and uh, your girlfriend made a big decision to go uh, to go traveling, open-ended traveling. Um, and I know, again, we spoke about this before, that did your mother's, uh, the loss of your mother, impact that decision did it speed it up or was it something that was always there and you just felt that this was this was the right time to do it so this is let's just say you left in january 2020 isn't that correct that you finished up working yeah, yeah, yeah the end yeah. of 2019 yeah. and then you you made yeah. so you had obviously made this decision mm-hmm. about a year previous to save and get up to that so did you as i said did you feel that this was just the right time basically yeah myself and arlene my girlfriend we both love traveling and I've, I've been very lucky i've seen a lot of the world already and there's so much more i wanted to see and experience so um as a direct influence i'd say it did like i mean it i didn't like we didn't have a snap decision i didn't go oh my mom's died i'm, I'm gonna go traveling that never really was the the inspiration for it it was, it was that i wanted to see the world again i think my new perspective on life did impact it i said listen the job is always going to be here. I'm doing a good job. I'll be able to get work. Um, I can find an opportunity again. Why not just do this? And again, it's cliche, but like life is too short not to. So we did. We saved really hard for a, over a year. And it was just an open-ended plan. As I said, we were we had a few destinations kind of definite. So we're going to go to Sri Lanka and we're going to go and visit my our good friends, uh, Colin and Ashling in Canada. And then even my mate Sino was maybe going to even meet us down in South America in Colombia. So like there was a few dead certs, but apart from that, it was very open-ended and we were just going to go with the flow and it was very exciting kind of having an unknown trip ahead of you and you don't really know what's going to come next. So, and we, we always knew like, and even though like I didn't through the trauma of what happened with my mom, I didn't throw all of my old instincts out the window. Like I still had goals and I still wanted to be successful from a career point of view. And like, it wasn't like I just ripped off the plaster and said, right, this is the new me. I'm going to live on a beach now for the rest of my life. And I've nothing against people who want to do that, but it wasn't, it wasn't my exact approach that I was going to do. So it just changed my perspective in many ways, but not fully, um, which I was happy with. So, uh, so yeah, that was the plan in the background behind traveling. But of course it didn't go to the plan. Didn't go to plan uh, but an interesting thing I, I, I'll touch on just before we uh, we get into COVID mm. and how that scuppered the, yeah. the, the travel plans is there's a big there's a big say and I don't know if stigma is the right word but idea around say if you're coming towards 30 you know when you say yeah. you don't have say savings for a house maybe you're not in a, a long-term relationship or engaged or you know you're not in a in a dead set job that's solid income mm-hmm. and you're making something out of your life that you know ultimately you've failed or it's frowned upon anyway at the very least yeah. so i just wanted to see like you know you made this decision and you had just turned 27 you know so and mm-hmm. you you know those kind of plans you were you were in a very good job we, we all know that you were in dance and you were working very well at getting paid very well and you solid income you know you like yourself and Arlene like probably you could have saved for a house if you if you wanted it that was definitely an option mm. there but you opted to say take more of a 
an open-ended chance and not not and when I say chance I don't mean it in, in a negative sense I mean it's just something that you you were prepared to to do something a bit different rather than play it safe and just wanted to see what do you think because th- this will spill into the next point about COVID and your decisions following that what what do you think about that you know say that you have to have these things done by 30 or else you could be essentially deemed a failure or you know it's uh, it, yeah I've definitely, I've definitely found myself guilty of those talks. I'd be lying if I, if I told you I didn't. And I feel like the situation in the world we live in today, it's very hard for anyone to escape those pressures. And this idea of you have to have X, Y, and Z by a certain age, you have to have this certification, you have to have this qualification, you have to know these people. If you're not getting this far in this company or in this job, what are you doing with your life? These pressures are everywhere, even if they're not said to you that bluntly and that directly. I mean, like you can't turn on the news without everyone freaking out about not being able to afford a house. And then you're thinking, geez, how am I going to afford a house? And you're not like the the wages aren't going up, but the prices are going up. All these really intensive bits of information that are thrown at people every day. So it's a natural, I think, kind of inclination and um, feeling to have feel that pressure. But I again from the trauma that I went through with my mom, I've been able to kind of step back and reevaluate. And it's an amazing benefit. Like not it's it's horrible to say because it's such a horrible situation, but it is something I've taken from it that I've been able to stand back and say, Do you know what? Like, Jesus Christ, I'm still only twenty eight. Like I'm still quite young. In in a few years I'll still only be thirty one, thirty two. Like there's not a major rush with these things. Do them in your own time and do them at your own leisure, your own pace. Like, don't be thinking about other people. And it is really hard to do. I'm not going to lie to you. I find it hard to do. But I do try to disassociate and say, I'm on my own kind of journey. I'm on my own path to do this. If they do it, I'm so happy for them. And that's what they want. That's brilliant. But once you're happy and you're content in your decisions and what you're doing, I think that's the most important thing. And again, I was, when I touched back on it, when I said I jumped straight into Duns, I think with maturity and as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at kind of slowing down and saying, right, what do I actually want to do here now? Like, let's slow down. Everything doesn't have to happen like clockwork. It's not like it's an Excel spreadsheet and I have to have every box filled by X, Y, and Z. Like, just to take my time. And I'm so lucky with so many elements of my life that I, I'm in a position that I can do that. So just embrace what I have and kind of move on from there. Like the pressures are intense, but make sure that you do them at your own pace. Yeah. And I think it's, that's something that's quite liberating. I feel because you often do see a lot of people who get stuck in that, that they are trying to attain those things by a certain age, regardless if they want them or not, because it's from an outside pressure or society, whatever way, whatever way it's seen. And to be able to come, like the full 180 shot, as you said, like you no know, true hard work and, you know, different experiences mm. shaping this is, is really, again, it's like, I would take a lot from that, even listening to you here. And I'm sure others would that that's quite a liberating thing to be able to be like, I'm on my own path. I'm going to do this because this is what's good for me right now. And I don't really care what the rest of the world is saying yeah. to me, you know, like, and that's, that's huge. And again, like this built into COVID. So, you know, you had you had been gone what eight weeks, and then you were told to come home. So, it, explain to me, say how initially when you came home, what was the thought process? Was there was there devastation? Was there 
what was the plan then? Did you think you'd get back on back on board and say get back out there in a couple of months? Or what was the thinking when you came home in March? Uh, I think that was March last year. So it was almost yeah, almost a year to, to like we're getting. I think I came home on the twenty third of March. So yeah, we only got like eight or nine weeks of actually traveling in, and it was meant to be like nine or ten months at least. So. We were in Vietnam and I remember joking with the lads on WhatsApp at the time being like, because Vietnam was on another level at that stage. They were already doing all the masks. They were already doing the, the quotas in shops. People were getting tested for their temperature. Like they were taking it really, really serious. And the lads back home were arguing over whether Cheltenham were happening. Yeah. So like, I mean, it was a, bit, it was a different it's world. chalk and cheese. And I was yeah. like, this, this is really serious. And my people were like, ah, you're, you're, you're take it. Like you're, you're not serious, man. It's, it'll be grand. And I was like, no, like, then all of a sudden, all the borders started closing. Philippines closed, Thailand closed, Indonesia closed, and our visa was going to run out. So I was like, "We have no choice but have to actually go home." So initially, it was shock, but it was a complete. This is a blip in the road. We'll be fine. We'll be back on the road by June. This will all be sorted. We'll be grand. Then June comes, and you're like, "All right, fair enough. It's getting a bit touch and go here. We'll probably be September, October before we go." And then very quickly, I'd say by July, August, we realized, no, this isn't a runner like this. And that, I think the fact that it was a slow burner yeah. in the sense that that hope was there for about five or six months still, that helped ease the pain of the whole thing falling on its arse, really. But um, if it had been just the, the plaster ripped off on the 22nd of March, you're home now and that's it no one's leaving the country for two years. I think that would have been very traumatic and kind of like, what is going on? But the fact that it was prolonged a little bit eased it. And it also gave an incredible amount of time to kind of reassess and evaluate. Um, but yeah, it was challenging. There's no question about that. But that's the next point that I wanted to bring in was, you know, if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, if you're brought home there at the 22nd of March, as you said, and, and you're told, look, you're done. You're not leaving Ireland for the guts of two years. That would, I can imagine you would feel quite lost then. You're like, what have I, I've saved for 18 months. I have all of this money here. I, 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 I'm not working anymore. You know, what, where do I go from here? Um, but the fact that it was kind of, maybe things might've got better in June is what we were told. Maybe it might be September then. Give you time to process your next move. And tell me, how did you come to the conclusion of a master's? What was the, you know, because there was other options, you know, you definitely, you could have gone back to, to the workforce and been quite a, quite an asset to the workforce or back to Dawn's, but you opted to go back down the studying route. And again, this brings in the whole thing of, you know, having things done by a certain age of 30. So you, the traveling didn't work out, but you went down a different route of studying again. So what, how did you get to that decision? It was kind of a slow burn and we, we said no matter what, when it got to about June and we realized, no, this, this party's over, we're not going to get to go anywhere. And we started to think that we were like, okay, let's give ourselves the summer at least to kind of just enjoy a little bit of time. There's no point in jumping straight in. We had money. We had all our savings. Like we'd never been richer, but um, we didn't have anywhere to spend it or anywhere to go. So we said we'd sit tight, making an, an evaluation. And it got towards the end of the summer and I started looking at jobs. And again, I didn't want to rush it. Because I was like, this is a big decision. There's no question, like, this is a big, the next move is a big one because you don't want to do something half-hearted. I, at least I didn't. And I want to make sure it's the right choice. I don't want to force anything. Um, but I also 
felt an urge to kind of step out of my comfort zone. I could have went back to Duns and I loved Duns. I really did love the work there and I'm, I'm fascinated by that industry and retail in general and kind of the moves that the changes that it's going through. Um, so I could have went there, but I was like, I, I wonder what a new experience will give to me. And so there's a few jobs and I considered them, but I said, I always wanted to do a master's. I, I, I'm a keen learner and I always will, even when I'm done this, I think I'll always be looking to do the next thing as well. But I felt that there was no better time. I was probably a bit negative about COVID more than other people. I was like, there's no way we're getting out of this before January. I thought it'd be January, but now it looked like it's going to be yeah, You're nearly it's coming out of office positive now, John. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. So I was like, no, do you know what? Everyone's going to be stuck in their gaff now for at least another five, six months. What can I do to kind of upscale or like channel this energy and in, into something else and trying to kick on? So I did, um, I looked into the Masters. We had some good friends who did it. Um, Mark and Kavina, for example, who we went, did our undergrad with, and I spoke to them got their feedback. I realized that they had done it a few years ago, so things might be very different in it. But I saw it as just a massive growth industry. I, I love I love business, and I love the idea of big tech and all these companies, and I know a lot about them, but I didn't know the world of e-commerce property. And especially if I had an interest in retail, I wanted to understand where all the retail is going to be in the next 50 years. So I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a bash and see how it works out. And I'm so happy I did. I was absolutely delighted. And it, it, it probably seemed like it was daunting because it was like another year. Yeah. I'd spend all my savings would be gone. I'd be spending everything because it's not cheap to do a master's. And I got help from family, of course. And But like, I mean, I'd still need to live off the money that I'd saved and it would be depleted. And I'd be kind of starting in square one again. There's no question about that financially anyway at the end of this process. But I was like, it's only a year. And I'm not going to turn around at the end of that year and go, what was I thinking doing a master's? Yeah. Like it was only going to be a positive in many, many respects. And for a year that was in it, I said, there's no better time to do it. So again, I was glad from what I'd learned from prior experiences of just kind of slowing down and considering my options and not dwelling on the negative. Negative was, oh, it's a year, your life gone. Your money's going to be gone. Like, I mean, I've a lot of, hopefully, touch wood, a lot more life to live and there's loads of money out there to be made. So I'm not, I'm not too freaked about it. So that's where the decision kind of came from. And I'm so glad I did. And Arlene did the same. Arlene went back to college and incredibly brave decision of her. I'm very proud of her for doing that as well. And we both said, you know what, there's no better time to kind of turn the bad into a good. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, again something that a lot of people I think will take a lot from it's quite inspirational because something like this it can be very easy to become very passive and bogged down in in how tough it is and that's not taken away from how tough it is but to flip it again the full 180 and take on something like that and use the time that you've been I don't really want to say given it's like the time that's nearly forced upon you but I I don't want to make it seem like as well I still have terrible days where I'm swamped in assignments and I'm just like I could be on a bloody beach in Colombia <laughs> right now and I'm there sitting in my bedroom trying to make a website. Like, yeah, it's yeah, just, big difference. Like, you still have those horrible days, but when I, again, try to step back and, and look at it from an out, everything's out of my control, things that I can control, I shouldn't let influence my mood kind of thing. Um, then I kind of come back to earth and say, no, Sean, you're grand. Um, kick on. But we all have those meltdowns still. I still do, definitely. Yeah, no, and I, I completely resonate with that too. Um, so just going forward, say like, you know, when we're, we're coming to the end now here, that say 
and you've already given an awful lot um on how you've dealt with a lot of different experiences um some good some very difficult some traumatic um in your life that is there any advice you'd give to people say around mm. dealing with grief or i don't even know if advice is the right word is there anything you can share with people that helped you maybe deal with things like grief or deal with making a big the couple of big decisions that you have made even in the last two years is there can you share anything that might uh yeah i think in terms of grief and i'll be bluntly honest i think it's a very personal thing i don't think there is a one-size-fits-all kind of sort it out for anybody this is what you do if you do these 10 steps you'll be you'll be free i don't think it's that um i do think there's light at the end of the tunnel it it does time is a healer it's cliche but it really is and it makes you reevaluate a lot of things so i think that's important and again just speaking to people I was very, i'm so lucky with an incredible family amazing friends like we're a phenomenal group i do say that and an incredible girlfriend all of so many people that i can speak to um but even if you find yourself in a position where you don't have that many ears to listen, the amount of services that are out there, I've never had therapy myself, but I'm a big advocate of it because I feel like the opportunities are out there, whether you're in college, university have so many services. Most companies offer services these days. Like, I mean, there's free, there's free lines and speaking to someone really does help. And just venting, it doesn't mean it's going to necessarily fix it. I, I don't want to paint that picture either, but just being able to vent and let out a bit of anger, even if it's not about the exact topic, like you might be venting about your football team or someone who's pissing you off in work, but like the real, the real thing at the root of it is probably the trauma or the thing that you went through. Yeah. But just venting any sort of emotion, I feel makes a person feel better. And so I'd really recommend that. And just to give it time and another, it might sound bleak as well, but it's kind of a, a realization that I've come to, terms with like i mean the grief will probably never leave you'll always i'll always have that gap where my mom won't be in person in physical form but you just kind of have to realize this is the way life has kind of fallen this time and you do you just need to try and pick yourself up and look at the positives we, there, there is a lot out there so it's just a matter of focusing on them and ignoring what you can't control because it's that's a tough way to live if you, yeah. if you dwell on those situations trying to control a lot of aspects of life yeah. that you can't it's it's oh. it's a surefire way to suffer anyway um yeah and look I, as i said i really appreciate your the, the you coming on and chatting through things like that and how to cope with things like grief and, and making big decisions because a lot of the attitude i'm picking up from you especially with things and how those experiences have shaped you is you're very much a just just go for it if, if it works for you right there yeah. and now it's just go for it if you can if you can get through maybe say the the thoughts in your head that are saying don't do this or you're not able to do this or this isn't for you mm-hmm. and you actually break through it's again as it came up earlier it's very liberating isn't it it's very freeing yeah. yeah hugely enormously and yeah and just trust your gut go go with what you think will work and don't I, i've done it myself before don't be thinking I'm going to do this job. Will this job buy me a house? Like, I mean, how am I going to earn a house with my salary? If you if you find, even if it's a shite salary mm. and you're kicking off, you like the job, the money will come. Yeah. If you like something, you'll work well, you'll do well, the money will come. So don't let that kind of hang over your, your decisions thinking too far ahead. Just figure out the first steps and the rest will come. I think. Yeah. No, and Sean, again, it's, 
it's been brilliant. I, I, I've really enjoyed this this morning and having a chat with you and catching up and yeah, talking through various different things that have gone on over the last few years. It's, um, I'm really grateful you took the time out, as I said, to come on and have a chat with me. It's been really good. And yeah. I also know you're currently working on a podcast yourself for your master's um, Conversations by Sean Hanby. Uh, what yeah. platforms is available on Sean? You might just share with us. Give us a yeah. It's part of one of my modules. We've been given the opportunity to to do a podcast, so I've been spoofing away for the last five or six episodes. It's called Conversations with Sean Hanby, and um, it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So you should be able to find it handy enough there. Chats with loads of people from different. Got chats about Bitcoin, mental health, um, loads of different things. Social media, journalism. Uh, it's a bit of escapism if someone wants to just click off for a half an hour and listen to something listen to me waffle <laughs> no that's and that's great Sean and I've, I've listened to the first two episodes myself and um, I found them thoroughly enjoyable and I'm sure I'm sure a lot of other people fun. will so um, I'll hopefully we'll people will pick up from this when they hear it and they'll keep an eye out for, for your podcast also so um, look Sean I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there again thanks so much for coming on and hopefully in the next uh, couple of months we might be able to catch up for uh, coffee, oh, coffee or a pint even might be I'm a bit lit. better. Uh, coffee, forget your coffee. It's going to be a pint. <laughs> Cheers for having me, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed. Thanks, Sean. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers, man. Thanks again to Sean for coming on and being so open, especially around some of the more difficult experiences he has endured. As mentioned, Sean also has a podcast which can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts under the title Conversations with Sean Happy. Sean himself can be contacted on LinkedIn if anyone would like to reach out to him. So that's the end of today's episode, but I'll be back next week as usual with another episode of Let Your Guard Down, and I look forward to seeing you then.